Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Defense Deconstructed on the CGAI Podcast Network. I'm your host and president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, Dave Perry. On today's show, which we're recording January 27th, 2023, you'll hear the keynote address from the Department of National Defense's Assistant Deputy Minister for Policy, Pete Hammerschmidt, delivered at our conference on peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific. Defense Deconstructed is brought to you by Davy Shipyard. Founded in 1825, Davy is a premier builder of advanced specialized icebreakers and many other ships for the Government of Canada and the private sector. As Canada's longest established, largest and highest capacity shipbuilder, Davy has delivered many of the most pioneering vessels ever built in Canada. Davy generates thousands of good jobs and billions of dollars for Canada's economy. Through its work, Davy is helping to build a sustainable marine industry, combat climate change, defend sovereignty, support trade, generate exports, and unleash the potential of the communities it serves. All right, thank you very much. Uh, donc, bonjour tout le monde. C'est vraiment un grand, uh, grand privilège d'avoir l'occasion de m'adresser à vous afin de discuter de la paix et uh, de la stabilité dans l'Indo-Pacifique et de présenter nos nouvelles initiatives en matière de défense dans la région. Je tiens, je tiens également à remercier l'Institut canadien des affaires mondiales pour cette invitation. So it's actually quite timely for me to be speaking uh, about the Indo-Pacific strategy and just the, the, you know, the topic in general about uh, that part of the world. Uh, I just visited the region last week for a series of meetings and discussions with uh, key regional partners to advance our defense diplomacy in the Indo-Pacific. In Singapore, I participated in the annual Shangri-La Sherpa uh, Shangri-La Dialogue Sherpa meeting, which provides an opportunity to meet with senior defense policymakers from around the region. In Korea, I was I had the good fortune of being able to go visit the demilitarized zone and uh, really struck by that experience and the, the threat that Korea faces. And also reminded, of course, of Canada's historical um, sacrifices and our enduring contributions to peace and stability on the peninsula. And then in both Korea and Japan, in several meetings with defense officials and academic uh, experts, I heard significant interest in what Canada's new strategy was focused on and what it means for their region's security. Um, a lot of good bilateral meetings, of course, and opportunities to advance the relationships there. And also saw many, many similarities in terms of our, our respective uh, strategies and, uh, and interests and, and values as it pertains to security in the region. So on that note, let me start by taking a bit of time to share some points on the Indo-Pacific strategy and discussing in particular what it means for defense. So as we clearly state in the strategy, Canada is a Pacific nation. Every issue that matters to Canadians, whether it's economic prosperity, uh, security and peace, uh, democratic values, all of these things and more will be shaped by the developments in the region, by the trends and, and the dynamics in the Indo-Pacific, as well as the relationship that Canada maintains with countries in that region. L'Indo-Pacifique est également le, le, le théâtre de l'intensification de la compétition entre les grandes puissances et d'enjeux stratégiques qui menacent la paix et la prospérité de la région. The strategy outlines five interconnected strategic objectives, promoting peace, uh, resilience and security, expanding trade, investment and supply chain resilience, investing in and connecting people, building a sustainable and green future and being an active and engaged partner in the Indo-Pacific. Clairement, la défense nationale est avant tout concernée par le premier objectif stratégique, promouvoir la paix, la résilience et la sécurité. 
So we will invest $500 million over the next five years to enhance and diversify our defence contribution to the region in support of that objective. And we'll do so by pursuing five separate lines of effort. First, we will increase our frigate deployment to the region from two per year to three per year. The third frigate will be sailing from the East Coast from Halifax to the region through the Indian Ocean. Through our current program of existing naval deployments, Canada regularly engages with allies and partners through exercises and port visits and other activities, as well as in support of UN Security Council um, sanctions monitoring on North Korea. Now, this increase in frigate deployments will augment our naval presence and our contributions. It'll help uphold the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, and it will enhance our ability to work with allies and partners. In short, more time in the region means more time on operations, more time to deepen our interoperability and our relationships, and more contributions to upholding the rules-based order. Deuxièmement, nous allons participer de façon plus fréquente à des exercices bilatéraux et multilatéraux aux côtés de nos alliés et partenaires régionaux. This sustained investment is going to allow not just our naval forces, but also our air and our land forces to participate more frequently and more consistently in multinational exercises across the Indo-Pacific. Third, Defence will launch a new capacity building program to deliver training activities and valuable mentorship to partner forces. Les Forces armées canadiennes offriront des formations adaptées aux besoins de nos partenaires régionaux, particulièrement en Asie du Sud-Est. Cela nous permettra de faire avancer nos priorités communes et notre interoperabilité. This new program also includes women, peace and security capacity, build, capacity building initiatives, which will allow the CAF to increase awareness on gender issues across the region, informed by our work at home to build a more resilient and inclusive military. Quatrième, la Défense Nationale fournira des conseils et des leçons apprises à des pays qui développent et raffinent leur propre stratégie en matière de cybersécurité militaire. And finally, we will establish four new full-time civilian defense policy officer positions across the region. These staff will have the necessary expertise on defense and security issues to participate in all of the important discussions that are happening in capitals and headquarters across the region. This episode of Defense Deconstructed is brought to you by Irving Shipbuilding. Canada's national shipbuilder is currently hiring. For more information on the many jobs and opportunities currently available, please visit www.shipsforcanada.ca slash careers. So those are the five uh, initiatives, the five, five lines of effort under the strategy. Um, defense is really uh, well positioned to move out quickly on these initiatives. Um, the strategy really builds on a deliberate uh, multi-year expansion of our presence uh, and activity across the Indo-Pacific. We've increased the frequency of senior um, senior level travel to the region. We've grown our network of defense attaches. We've expanded the scope of our frigate activity, and we've increased our participation in multinational regional exercises. Nous sommes déterminés à répondre à l'appel de nos partenaires régionaux qui souhaitent nous voir renforcer notre participation en matière de défense, et nous reconnaissons l'importance de maintenir des relations fortes dans l'Indo-Pacific. In particular, Canada deeply values the strategic partnerships that we forged with Southeast Asian partners, and we will continue to demonstrate respect for ASEAN centrality.
We are quite pleased with ASEAN's decision at the summit in Cambodia this past November to welcome Canada as a strategic partner. And through Canada's enhanced participation as an observer to the ADMM Plus expert working groups in 2000 and 2023, we look forward to contributing to our shared security in the Indo-Pacific with ASEAN member states. Nous reconnaissons également que l'Inde est un partenaire stratégique de plus en plus important dans la région. And indeed, as the Indo-Pacific strategy clearly lays out, India's influence and importance in the world is only going to increase in the coming years, and Canada must find opportunities to partner with India on areas of common interests and values, including in the defense and security space. Shifting now to the North Pacific, uh, which faces growing security challenges, we, we certainly appreciate that enhanced cooperation with our allies is absolutely critical to being able to maintain maritime security, stability, and the rule of law. And this is important to us because not only is the North Pacific Canada's neighborhood, it is also ultimately one of the approaches to Canada's Arctic. So it's for this reason that the strategy emphasizes deepening our partnerships with Japan and the Republic of Korea, while also tackling the threats to peace and prosperity posed by North Korean provocations. Le Japon est l'un des partenaires de défense les plus importants pour le Canada dans l'Indo-Pacifique. Nos valeurs et nos intérêts communs constituent la fondation, le fond, la fondation de notre partenariat plus large pour relever les défis mondiaux et renforcer l'ordre international. Indeed, key to our relationship is a shared vision of a free and open Indo-Pacific, as announced by our leaders in 2019. Towards this, Canada and Japan's Minister of Foreign Affairs jointly announced an action plan last October for implementing the Canada-Japan shared priorities for contributing to a free and open Indo-Pacific, with two of the priorities entailing enhanced defence cooperation. And as recently stated by Prime Minister Trudeau earlier this month during Prime Minister Kishida's visit, Canada and Japan will continue to work together to defend the international order amid increasing assertiveness from authoritarian regimes. Bien que de fortes relations politiques lient le Canada et le Japon depuis longtemps, dans les dernières années, ces relations ont évolué de façon plus substantive pour inclure ce nouveau domaine de coopération. Moreover, the CAF regularly conduct joint and multilateral exercises with Japan. For example, in January 2022, the Royal Canadian Navy participated in, in Exercise Sea Dragon, a quad-like maritime exercise with assets from Japan, Australia, India, and the US. Passons maintenant à la Corée du Sud, un autre proche partenaire de défense avec qui nous partageons des intérêts stratégiques et importants. This year, actually, we celebrate our 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations with South Korea, as well as the 70th um, anniversary of the signing of the Armistice Agreement. So 2023 is a symbolic and important year for renewing and deepening our engagement with South Korea. Canada's historic sacrifice between 1950 and 1953 is still remembered by our South Korean partners to this day. I heard this, I felt this when I was there just last week. And since the signature of the Armistice in 1953, Canada has been a consistent participant in the UN's longest-running peacekeeping mission, the UN uh, Military Armistice Commission, which is responsible for supervising the demilitarized zone between the North and the South. Furthermore, Canada is one of the few original sending states that has never withdrawn its support from UN command, and numerous CAF officers are still embedded with UNC. 
En septembre dernier, nos chefs ont accepté d'élever notre relation bilatérale à un partenariat stratégique global. Joint priorities include defending the rules-based international system, strengthening security and defense partnerships, including in the areas of peacekeeping and maritime security. Ensemble, le Canada a beaucoup à offrir au Japon et à la Corée du Sud. Nous reconnaissons également que la Pacifique, le Pacifique Nord est confronté à des défis croissants en matière de sécurité, particulièrement avec la menace posée par la Corée du Nord et ses essais de missiles de plus en plus euh, fréquents. So as stated in the Indo-Pacific strategy, we are committed to supporting and strengthening stability on the Korean Peninsula and to supporting the Republic of Korea's efforts to achieve a denuclearized, peaceful and prosperous peninsula. To this end, we participate in the coordinated multinational effort to monitor the UN Security Council resolution sanctions imposed against North Korea through our Operation NEON. Through this operation, we deploy warships, patrol aircraft, and headquarters staff to identify maritime sanctions, evasions activities, including ship-to-ship -ship transfers of fuel and other commodities that are banned by the UN Security Council resolutions. Now, shifting to China. Uh, it's really not possible to talk about our strategy without also talking about China. Obviously, the defense team is very closely monitoring China's increasing assertiveness in the region and the escalating tensions in the South and East China Seas, as well as across the Taiwan Strait. There has been a significant increase in military activity in relation to issues of sovereignty and sovereign rights. Long-standing disputes regarding territorial and maritime claims continue to play out and flare up on occasion. And we've witnessed the continued militarization of disputed islands and features to buttress unilateral claims and establish de facto control, contrary to the spirit of UNCLOS. We are also paying attention to the safety of sea lines of communication, which are essential to seaborne trade and prosperity in the region and beyond. So we condemn China's failure to comply with UN rulings on disputes in the South China Sea, uh, its actions to militarize the region, and its challenging of navigation and overflight rights. The protection of these regional commons is crucial, not just to Canada, but also to our partners and allies in the region, especially across the South China Sea. So while we completely acknowledge that China's size and influence necessitates cooperation with China, particularly to address those global existential challenges that all of us face, there are also areas where we profoundly disagree with China. And so it's in this context that the strategy outlines our approach to engagement. Ultimately, the Indo-Pacific strategy is strongly based on Canada's interests and values. And sometimes these will diverge from China's own. So we will challenge China where we ought to, and we will cooperate with China when we can. And ultimately, we will work closely with all countries in the region to help maintain peace, security, and stability. In closing, thanks to our uh, increased and increasing civilian and military presence in the region, uh, we will have the opportunity to showcase to our partners and allies that Canada is a reliable partner in the Indo-Pacific, and we will promote our vision for a free, open, and inclusive Indo-Pacific. En tant que nation du Pacifique, le Canada supportera à la défense de ses intérêts nationaux dans la région aux côtés de ses alliés et partenaires afin de promouvoir la sécurité et la stabilité pour tous. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Defense Deconstructed, part of the CGAI Podcast Network. If you like the show, please remember to rate us and leave a comment on your podcast app. 
And if you like our stuff, please feel free to check out our donation page at cgaica support. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The podcast is brought to you by our team in Ottawa. Thanks go to our producer, Charlotte Duval-Antoine, and Drew Phillips for providing our music. I'm Dave Perry, and thanks for listening to this episode of Defense Deconstructed.